0: you can go to hell chris spivey i'm eddie webb <laughs> fuck batman <laughs> and i'm chris Bivy. and today we're going to talk about season three of genreless on genreless <laughs> So a little behind the scenes, we decided at the last minute we were going to do quotes. And I said, I would do a quote from the show. And I didn't know, Chris, which quote I was going to do. But I've said that at least twice during the season. So I figured it was appropriate. I feel that it's <laughs> at least five times, but
1: I could be wrong. So. Um, Maybe that'll just become a thing now. All recap shows, we quote ourselves from the show.
0: Yeah, if we remember. Because to be fair, this was... A long run. So I did some math um, leading up to this. I actually did some prep for this episode, believe it or not. Um, uh, counting this episode, uh, there are, we did 34 episodes of just superhero stuff, which is about eight and a half months. Too By far. much. Season. Yes. Too much. Um, some podcasts don't last that long, <laughs> let alone <laughs> a subsection the podcast. And that's not counting... Um, 10 episodes of Armor Wars. That's not counting uh, the eight episodes of um, Prisoner and Twin Peaks. So it's been about a year since we started gonna hey, do Superheroes to us talking, hey, let's talk about superheroes. It's, it's been a very long run. All
1: right. Since you mentioned that, originally I started us off with a game because I thought it was a fun thing to do for a light brisk season. I am now saying that we're not going to finish the game because it has been too long of a run and I am too battered by Superhero Dome to do so.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's a good place to kind of start uh, the the recap of the conversation because I feel like we were in a similar but different place at the end of season two, right? Um, season two, we were also like, oof, you know, that, that we, we came out of it with our love of, mecha anime kind of beaten up a fair bit uh and we're like okay we're gonna do some changes because we weren't happy with how this season played out and then we did this season um and you and i have both said originally off mic but increasingly on air (laughs) um that that this has been kind of a rough run um do you feel like these are similar problems do you feel like there's there we, we are differently frustrated at the end of this uh what are your overall thoughts
1: i i don't think they're actually that similar i think part of the problem with the anime mecha was we looked at it through with starry eyes from our childhood mm-hmm. and so that threw us off as now men of a certain age to go back and do that right for this it is just that there was so much stuff what i really think we should have done is we should have done the netflix bit and then we had a break where we did something like the twin didn't like a twin peaks or prisoner run, then came back and did the CW and did like another sort of run about that length with twin peaks and the prisoner. And then came back to Marvel. Like we should right. have had breaks in the middle and keeping with the superhero theme of what we're trying to do. Like right. that is us as creatives needing other input to help just us engage with the material with fresher eyes. It is mm-hmm. a fatigue problem that set in and, as consummate professionals we just tried to to push through it and pushing through i believe at least for my my part of it hurt my enjoyment of part of it and then the last part was just bad and if you're if you're tired and you're a little fatigued at doing something and then you get a lot of bad material on top of it it does not lead to a good outcome fortunately we plan to have the Watchmen stuff to end it with, and that elevated, I think, the entire season based on our enjoyment of that.
0: I, I, I actually very agree. I, I kind of gave you a leading question because uh, uh, I generally do kind of agree with that stance. Um, I feel like if we had taken to your comments about if this had been like really four separate seasons, you know, because really each of those could have been a whole season on its own but on our original season lengths uh and i feel like from that perspective um there were some really good standout points and some other points that you know maybe that's so great like like the aeroverse really should have been a season on its own and i think as a whole that was one of the better runs of it even though we made a lot of fun of the aeroverse to be clear and there's some parts of the Arrowverse we like oof this is like batwoman was was a rough patch don't get me wrong um <laughs> but that was a point where I felt like we were having actual genuine fun with the material talking about it, even when we were mad at it. Yeah. Uh, whereas the MCU stuff, vice versa, there were some really standout shows during that conversation, but I think we were so exhausted that it kind of ended up sliding a little bit into really more focusing on the negative, like even shows that we loved like Ms. Marvel and Hawkeye respectively loved. Um, we still kind of were like, uh, yeah, but there's this and there's this and there's this and there's this. <sighs> I think
1: just a good barometer for us going forward. And so as everyone knows, we're still figuring out how we're doing this as we do it. And you get to hear us. We're still figuring out. (laughs) It evolves and changes. It mutates Um, as, (laughs) as it does. If we get to a point where we think that we're making the same commentary about the same genre of show two or three times in a row, we should take that as a hint for us to take a hard stop and pivot to one of the other eight seasons we've got on the document for stuff we want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And also take a focus point where we're going to try to start doing runs that are more of six to uh, a BBC serial, if you will, yeah, about you six to nine episodes. Not this syndicated. We like shit. No, <laughs> we're not like a star Trek next generation. That's 26 episodes going more for six to nine. I think would be our sweet spot with a bump up to 13 occasionally if needed. Like that keeps us in the zone for whatever it is and excited about it. And then we can focus more on all the highlights of it and still bringing out some of the commentary that we want to discuss that doesn't necessarily hit us how we want it to as writers. Right.
0: Um, one of the danger signs for me, I think, I mean, we, we've, been, we've all been kind of talking off air about, we're worried about this length, but um in the MCU run, particularly, there were a few people who were like, "I'm really excited to hear about your thoughts about Loki or Secret Invasion or whatever." And or I kind of just been like, "You're not gonna." I didn't, I didn't say anything about it. like you're not gonna enjoy those when you get there. I don't think because we're not in the same space as we were. So that's that's frustrating because like the whole mission statement of this is let's talk about shows that we love and deconstruct them, um, and these are shows that we. I won't say thought we loved, um, but certainly you went from when we started this, you're like generally pretty hardcore MCU. And now you're out. And so I went from, I generally like anything Disney puts out to uh, maybe I'll skip the next one or two, you know?
1: And, but that's not wholly on us. I'm going to say, <clears throat> sure. Sure. That is a good 60% on us from our own expectations. And we want to engage with it. The other 40% is squirrely on Marvel and Disney for producing subpar material that they they themselves are now apologizing for and saying they're going to readjust their distribution of work and they're going to have a more focus on quality over quantity. If you as a corporation comes out saying that about a year to two to three years worth of material that you're creating, that is definitely you trying to take some responsibility but not full responsibility for what you're doing.
0: Right. Right. No, I, I prefer like, um, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I had a lot of thoughts that sometimes I'm sorry about that. Um, that happens to me sometimes my, my brain does three or four things at once. time. It kind of just stalls like a car trying to shift too far in the gear. Um, Eddie doesn't uh, want you to know how brilliant he is. Right now, he's like the leader,
1: and, he ha- and his head has continued to expand and grow, and it's <laughs> pulsating with energy and light and thoughts. And there are so many of them that I can see them on the screen, like uh, Eddie's favorite Sherlock, Benedict Cumberbatch, sort of mirror board to it. Oh,
0: God. Like all some those things we I involved. Ed, I got to like, give you a, a poke with one of them. Ah, <sighs> I'm on fire. I actually did the Sherlock-themed escape room here in London. Uh, and it's actually quite good. It's actually, it actually really good. Um, it helped that there was not a lot of Benedict Cumberbatch in it. But anyway. <laughs> um, so uh, where I was kind of going was that um, I, I think you're right in the sense that if we just stopped for the MCU, right? I felt like if we'd stopped kind of in the uh, unaffiliated ones, that would have been a good stopping point. I think the yeah. was just pushed too far because in that last bit, uh, I really felt like—I mean, to be fair, there, you got two shows out of it that you didn't see before that you ended up really liking, and that, to me, that, that's, a, that's a fantastic hit right? You know, um, I ended up in the Arrowverse finding Black Lightning, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, so, I mean, like you know, when we're showing shows to each other and going, "Oh, that's actually really cool. I want to check that out now," that's when I think we're doing a good job. And the we had seen all of it. And we knew we weren't going to be impressed by a lot of it. And it just kind of, it felt weird.
1: Or do we take a less completionist route? For instance, we knew that you wanted to talk about Hawkeye. We knew that I wanted to talk about Captain America and Winter Soldier. We both wanted to talk about WandaVision and Miss Marvel.
0: Yep. Should we have just
1: done done those and been it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the time, I also probably would have been like, yeah, I probably want to talk about Loki too. But again, that's something that I'm ret- when I watched again. I was like, okay, I don't like it as much. And then you pointed out some things that made me like it even less. Um, uh, but like, I wasn't, honestly, like when we were watching Secret of Age, I think we were both like, we probably should just maybe skip it. And we didn't. And that was a mistake because we both knew going in, we weren't pretty to. I mean, we were both kind of wanting it to be good. And we both knew halfway through, it's not going to be good. And then, so by the time we came to record, it's like, okay, we're just kind of checking off the box. And that's not a good sign.
1: No, that's not what we meant. That's not what we want to do with the show. Right. Although, if we do another one of these and a recap is like this, then I think that we have to totally revamp what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But right, so I we're... don't think that's going to be possible after we tell people what the next season is going to be. It's going to be short. <laughs> it's going to be like concise. But well, can't talk about it yet because we're not there, Justin. Okay, I am excited okay.
0: about it. So let's, so let's let's talk about. The, I mean, one of the things we do with the show for it is to talk about what we know, what we can learn about a genre by walking through it. Um, and superheroes is, it's a genre that's so big it's almost meaningless, right? It's kind of like calling a genre anime. <laughs> it's like it's it's so big. There's so much inside of it. Um, but that's almost the, the... of the
1: all genres now. Like if you say sci-fi, what is a defining benchmark for sci-fi? Right. Is sci-fi right. like five years in the future, two days in the future, or fantasy has the same thing now. So genres hints, yeah. like the entire premise of our show, genre lists are almost totally meaningless other than right. having three or four key points. Abraham. Like for superheroes, someone's going to have superpowers or heightened human abilities.
0: Right. And maybe a mask, maybe not a mask. But that I mean, that that's a really good point. Like um we repeatedly said during both of the Watchmen shows, there's really only one quote unquote superhero in that entire show. And even then, the very nebulous point, which is Dr. Manhattan. But no one argues that Watchmen is not superhero media. Mm-hmm. Um the boys checks all of the external boxes of superhero media, but in no way plays like anything resembling a superhero story. And that's intentional. That's what it's trying to do, but it's it's still it's very different. So then it becomes is do
1: we just start using super protagonists going forward? And even super that doesn't work still still doesn't work with Watchmen. Because right. uh, Sister Knight for the Watchmen TV show was our main protagonist. Mm-hmm. and until the very end she was just just an awesome kick butt human.
0: Right. Right. I mean the only thing supernatural about Butcher and the boys is his accent. So other than that he's just a guy. <laughs> yes I'm going to die on this hill. <laughs> uh, love it. <laughs> and we
1: can go all the way back to the first episodes of Daredevil where he's just a, a Catholic with a bunch of guilt with a fetish of being beaten by people. <laughs>
0: am i wrong no you're not and it's funny actually because um uh for unrelated reasons i've actually started reading for the first time um the uh miller uh jensen run of daredevil comic from the 80s nice. and that's just even more of that <laughs> it's like it's, uh, it's 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 just here's a blind guy that really likes to get his ass kicked and gets feels really bad about it afterwards I'm like, wow, okay, so that's very true to the source material, except for as a costume, unlike the TV show.
1: It's almost like I've I've read a comic or two in passing. <laughs>
0: so, uh, so let's so let's think about some of these. Like, um, so were there any shows that you can re- think back up and you, and you and you walked away from it feeling like you got a better appreciation of, like, like oh, have you done that? I've actually I've actually enjoy this more than i thought i would hands
1: down that's an easy one i, I even said it on there like the the first one that comes to mind for me is going to be hawkeye like mm-hmm. your enjoyment and love of hawkeye and feeling represented and seen by that elevated my enjoyment of that show like a solid grade for me hawkeye before was maybe a b minus show that i watched but mm-hmm. having talked about it with you it's like a solid a minus now for me in my watching canaan i would re-watch mm-hmm. it again just from our conversations okay so I uh, guess the reverse for you.
0: Um, there's a couple, um, uh, honestly, uh, uh, Captain America Wind Soldier, and the fact that I call it that now is because of you. Um, uh, it went from, I mean, kind of somewhere it's like, going. it, it was kind of a okay, half decent spy show uh, that I felt was, was missing a bit to the part where no the bit was missing was me I was missing the, a, a big bit of it um, and while it still has, has flaws uh, I, I definitely appreciated it a lot more on the second watch um, and I think that was also one of the shows where we talked about it was hurt by watching it week to week but watching it binging it actually it gives you a better appreciation of the show so that's another piece of it that I think is missing.
1: and I think um, it goes without saying though like I now watched all of Peacemaker Mm-hmm. which I enjoyed and I'm in season two of the umbrella Academy, but for a peacemaker, uh, the family and I went and saw Barbie and at this point in time, it'll be a spoiler. It's a billion dollar move. If you haven't seen Barbie, you should go see it. Yeah. And, uh, John Cena has a, has a sneak appearance in the movie.
0: Oh, he does. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah. And I was like,
0: there's peacemaker.
1: <laughs> I didn't shout the theater because I was with the family and I'm sure my daughter would have turned to look at me. Who, who the fuck is peacemaker?
0: Right. And we and you like here, daughter. Let me watch. Have you watch the show? It's totally fine for someone of your age to watch Peacemaker. When you're about <laughs> ten years older, I can show you this show. When you have your own apartment, then you can watch this. <laughs> um, like I obviously uh, we talked about. I uh, I gained an appreciation of Black Lightning. Um, uh, as a result, I, I had not watched a single frame of it, and I was like, why in the hell hadn't I? That that it was like the show's great why did I miss this? Why did I sleep on this? That I was always mad at how much I realized I'd like that show more than I thought I would. Also the original flash. Like oh. I remembered it vaguely going, wow, I remember that show being really bad. And then watched again. It's like, I like it way more than I thought I was going to. I expected to, that to be a, we're going to check this box. We're going to make fun of it and move on. And I was like, no, I actually kind of really dig this show. <laughs> it's still bad but I liked it better
1: you're talking about the flash is how I felt about Bruce Springsteen growing up I didn't like Bruce Springsteen I didn't understand why people listen to Bruce Springsteen it's like he's he's uh grunting on stage what do people like and (laughs) as I got older I I transitioned from uh goth Chris into I, I have a solid appreciation for Bruce Springsteen and his album Western stars along with Tom Fleming's was one of the key inspirations for me making haunted West. I like listened to oh, Western wow. stars on loop for like a, what was it? Eight hour drive across country. It was like wow. those two soundtracks back to back. they just like resonated with an idea that I had and helped me build out the entire scope of that idea. Listening to those.
0: That's really cool. So I don't, there's a natural follow-up question. I almost do really not want to ask it, but maybe mm-hmm. we should. Um, which is that? Is there a show? This that is we, our show. This
1: is our time.
0: We don't got anything to talk about. We can end this show right now at 19 minutes and be like, that's true. "We out, motherfuckers!" That would be amazing. um But is there any show that we, like i like we really liked and then rewatching it and talking about it severely damaged our enjoyment of it?
1: I knew there was one or two. Now I'm trying to remember them that you've asked me, and I don't have excuses, early folks, because in my time it is not like four in the morning. It is a
0: reasonable time of morning. Um, I will say uh, the, the the Arrowverse Flash. I remember liking it when I was watching it, but rewatching it, I, I I didn't appreciate it as much, nearly as much. Uh, Arrow still pretty solid for me. Um, I I I didn't didn't change too much in either direction for me. It's like it, it's it's it was a fun show to watch. I'm glad I waited ten years to watch it again. I probably won't dig up anytime soon, but it was it was nice. Uh, but Arrow was like I, it was it was harder for me to watch again i'm not entirely sure why um i think maybe because the uh, the, the the romantic subplot just got creepier the more we thought about it i mean a boss and
1: a boss with his underling who becomes his romantic relationship yeah that's weird yeah yeah <laughs> and yeah power dynamics i'd probably actually say daredevil for me oh really cuz through the course it always bothered me that he would never suit up as daredevil And then the more we got into the superhero medium and like the certain beats it's supposed to hit, them prolonging him putting on the suit and trying to make it so grounded hurt my enjoyment of it as the more we talked about the superhero genre on the whole of itself. But a show that did the exact opposite is Punisher. Punisher is a show that surprised me when I watched it and I enjoyed it. And it surprised me even more how much more I enjoyed it on a second watch and getting to talk about it with you. I don't know how you yeah. feel about the Punisher, but as a character itself, I do not like the Punisher. The TV show did something remarkable, and so did the actor that pol- portrayed the Punisher. I'm like, there's just some sort of magic there that worked.
0: You actually anticipated my other question, which is great, because I was going to ask, is there uh, one where any of these, ad- these live-action versions were better than our comic version? And I was going to say, absolutely, I agree with you. I, I won't say I despise the Punisher, but I certainly don't seek him out. As a comic book, um, because to me he's just revenge porn. Ninety-eight percent of the time he's written, uh, but you're right. It was like uh, watch, and I did. I actually skipped this show originally because I was like, I, I don't care about the Punisher. Um, but then then actually doing a take on the the cost that that kind of not, not only that that uh, that kind of service can do to you, but also. Um, what, how much that kind of revenge can eat you up and the human cost of that, of revenge. I was, I was not expecting that from a Punisher show and it was very, very important and relevant. So I was like, yeah, it's actually really, really compelling and I really dug it.
1: And for me, it's also disconcerting how much of the Punisher beats resonated with me as a, as a veteran. So it was, yeah, yeah. Good, good stuff. Um, then no. if you can remember all the way back to when we started this epic journey of ours, how do you think Agent Par- Agent Carter compares to the shows that we watched throughout the course of this
0: the series? Um better and worse, right? Uh I'll start with the worse. Um I feel like it being so episodic ultimately hurt it on some level. It was ABC uh, ABC was still trying to figure out how to make superhero media in this new age, so they were doing TV, like they always do, TV, which is that you should be able to watch these episodes more or less in isolation uh, and and be able to get something out of it. Um, And I feel like the Agent Carter narrative was naturally inclined towards a season-long conspiracy arc. But I would watch Agent Carter hands down more than 50% of the MCU stuff now. Right? Like, I would watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., frankly, before some of the shows in the MCU that we've watched. I still stand by. I bounced of off Shield. that.
1: Because <clears throat> I bounced <laughs> off that two episodes in, maybe three at most. Well, I knew that would be a bad conversation that we did not want to have. And I I edited out Agent of Shields. just done. Right. If when your first right. episode, you're shooting a black man in the head, I'm out. I'm out. Like, right. you've lost me.
0: No, totally. Um, uh, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D uh uh, uh Adrian Carter was it's not even a superhero show goes back to our point it's like it, it it's 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 any superhero universe clearly and there are tropes that descend from superheroic characters but no one on the show is superhuman and arguably that's what the show's a- about uh, but still, it had a, a lot of heart and uh, just sheer fun. That and that's something that we talked about a lot with this run is whether the show is fun or not. Um, and that, that was one that really I think got the right balance of drama and fun that other shows that are ostensibly with higher budgets or ostensibly better written just didn't get.
1: Well, I would also I like to credit a lot of that to the phenomenon that is Haley Atwell. Who? Oh yeah. Chris's crush corner. I still have a crush on Haley Atwell. I will know that that will always be there.
0: But if you can't get enough of her, um, she is the narrator for a podcast about real life spy stories. I did not know that. Yeah, um, I'll have to. If you remember, uh, I'll have to dig it up at some point. But basically, um, uh, th- there's this documentary podcast uh, that just they, they bring on um, spies talk about declassified operations they worked on um, from all around the world, and she's the narrator for those
1: maybe you could put that in the, the schnotes schnotes
0: yes i'll try to remember to do that
1: but no, and i've oh. seen her in a few like different period dramas she's always fantastic and mm-hmm. a, a light in the universe
0: uh, she and did, a marvel did of, her uh, early big finish things before she became big yeah. and and marvel did her wrong yeah absolutely um, and apparently she was pretty unhappy with her role in multiverse of madness who wouldn't be? All right, come on here with
1: this great character that you voice from a What If animated series, and we'll give you two minutes on screen time so we can kill you in front of everyone. And if you haven't yep. seen Multiverse of Badness, I spoiled 30 seconds of the movie for you. Right. In the middle. Yeah. And they did our, our boy Captain Pike wrong, too. It did. They did. It did. For anyone in doubt, Ensign uh, Mount played back, Black Bolt in the horrible Inhumans TV show, and he came back in Multiverse of Madness for about two minutes with Agent Carter. Sorry, Captain Carter. And they had uh, the phenomenal Mr. Fantastic come in as Jim from the office. Right, yes. So fans were super happy. I don't know why. I don't, I just don't see Jim as Reed Richards. Um, at time of recording, the only member of the Fantastic Four that has been cast is Vanessa Kirby as the Invisible Woman. Mm-hmm. I still want them to have Cheaty as Mr. Fantastic. That's yep. who I want. He's not even listed or in the runnings, but that's who I want. I think they're, they have three actors, one of which I think is Dev Patel, which I could also enjoy. But who, if it can't be Cheaty, I want, oh, I forgot his name. But he was a scientist on iZombie, who was the lab mortician that worked with, with Liv. Oh, I forgot his name.
0: Damn. Oh, yeah. and I, I, I can see his face back. I can't remember his name.
1: Um, he was in like the Netflix show, Black M- Black Mass, also. He's funny. He can play the scientist you know, bit. But those are my yeah. two top picks. Marvel, this is your chance to give me back
0: if you do that. Right. And actually, it's funny because like we noticed throughout this run this weird trope of the black scientist sidekick that kept popping up. And mm-hmm. to take that but move him into the protagonist role on a franchise would be a smart move, frankly. It's like, you're, you're obs- y'all are are obsessed with black scientist, but make him the lead. Done. You know? Yeah. Not that hard.
1: Instead, I think they're still actively trying to um, court Adam Driver to come back to be Reed Richards. I don't know, man. I like Adam I'm, Driver, no. but it feels weird as Reed Richards. I'm, I'm done with Kylo. Kylo is a is a fun, dramatic actor doing some great dramatic stuff that I've seen him in that I've enjoyed. Most of his sci-fi work is not my favorite. Yeah. It could be the roles that he takes. So I'm not saying it's him, but I'm saying that I have not enjoyed him in a lot of the sci-fi roles I've seen. Although, I won't lie, I did like him in Force Awakens where he was the, the emo, whiny villain of the piece, not when they tried to make him into the protagonist by the end of the movies
0: in the third one. No, totally. Like, I, ah, I, uh, we're not here on a Star Trek podcast, Star Wars podcast, but I mean, I, I feel like the we're, Force Awakens... we're here to
1: talk about Disney because Disney <laughs> owns Marvel.
0: Uh, can we can we briefly digress and talk about how we live in a world where there are now new Star Trek, new Star Wars, new Marvel on the screen. And it's Star Trek successfully knocking things out of the park of, of everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like,
1: yes, we can. That's As a just, Star Wars fan, yes we can.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm baffled because like these are all things that like for decades and you know, fans like us have been clamoring for. It's like, oh god, yeah, a Star Wars TV show and new Star Trek, that'll be amazing. Um but it it's it's weirdly it's Paramount that, that has has well let me rephrase that. Paramount I briefly figured out how to do new Star Trek just in time for Paramount to flush at least one of the shows right off their fucking site.
1: Well, that I'm saying that's less Paramount's what I'm saying. That's because they're caught in the streaming wars that is killing a lot of different companies. If it had stayed how it was, then Paramount, I think, would have actually grown and been to come a force to reckon with. Like Disney itself is having the same problems, which is why they're cutting back on producing. They're focusing more on quality now than quantity. Which is right. also saying that we have losing a bunch of money. So we got to rethink what we're doing. And Absolutely. for Paramount, though, and Star Trek, Star Trek has a name and a legacy. But Star Trek had fallen off the face of the earth, really. Oh, yeah. Like after uh, the Scott Bakula Enterprise show, we had a, a long stint without Star Wars. And J.J. sort of came in and made something. And then that was meh, petered out. And so they had ground to play with because they had a name that people would come and watch and they had a platform and money to try something new. And when you're desperate, you take big swings and taking big swings, which I want to say discovery that I enjoy was a big swing. And a lot of people may or may not like it, but fuck you, if you don't like it, I don't care. Your opinion doesn't matter because I can't hear you on the podcast. Um, (laughs) And people are upset about the diversity of the cast and everything else, but they went and they made something that was, inclusive how from my understanding star Trek was always meant to be and that gave them a foundation to then be able to make something else like strange worlds prodigy and all these other little tangential shows off of the success of that mm-hmm. and then the streaming wars yeah, and- hit and now they're
0: cutting <laughs> right right um and it's like it's again to go to star wars like um it's weird to your point the Star Wars shows that are hitting good are the ones that aren't the ones people are expecting, right? And see, let's do a whole show about Andor. Like, okay, um, but it's 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 really good. Um, you know, let's do a show about some random Mandalorian that's set maybe after the original movies. Um, and it's it's pretty good. Uh, and then it's like, cool, now let's we'll start adding in more stuff from the movies. And it's just kind of uh, go down. And, and the MCU stuff is, is we've, we've talked before, like, when the mcu stuff was innovative like wandavision um it generally hit really hard and then when it tried to be shoved into a particular square hole it it doesn't always work
1: for marvel potentially part of the problem is kevin feige originally had to work under constraints Mm -hmm. as all creatives do but the more success you get the more power you get the less constraints that you have and it may have hit that point where it's whatever Kevin wants Kevin gets and constraints for an artist are both a boon and a hindrance because it forces Mm -hmm. you to think outside the box and do things that you may not have done. If you don't have any of those, you have no other voices to listen to but your own. And I've said it before, all great products comes from a group of people because there's some level of compromise in it to improve whatever it is you're trying to make. You can't have too much of that or it destroys it and dilutes it. So you've got to find that right balance. And I want to say by the middle of the MCU, like when we had Captain America and the Winter Soldier, the movie,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: to all the way through Endgame, even up to Endgame, there was started to like peer off in there. But that sweet spot between, we'll say Cap and Black Panther, there was like a perfect balance of stuff going on, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep. And just to bring it back to the superhero shows that we're talking about, let's talk about um the legends the legends had a crappy budget throw yes. off sidekick characters and they made something phenomenal off of it yes they had yeah big swings we got we got nothing let's just like swing for the rafters and see what happens
0: right that's a perfect example because like flash got everything and we were like meh on the flash and then legends got nothing and we we're like oh my god this is fantastic um, or, or even black lightning, it's the, okay, sure. Let's do another show. We'll kind of put it off into its little side corner here. And the, the creative team was like, cool. We're going to do our own fucking thing. And they did a really cool thing with it.
1: And it's a matter of care. Like people are backing things. They think that will make them a lot of money and get them a claim without looking at the product itself. It goes back to not earning it, which takes us all the way back to Jupiter's legacy. They didn't earn anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually another trend I've noticed throughout the whole season is we've consistently, not exclusively, but consistently enjoyed media where we either knew the team were heavily invested in it or we felt like they were trying their best. Right. Um, There's some exceptions. Flash. I know for a fact that everyone watching The Flash were big, strong Flash fans, the, the new Flash, but we, we're still kind of meh on it. Um, but um, Fledges Tomorrow, people really believed in that show. Um, Jesse Jones, people really believed in that show. Uh, you know, The Punisher, people really believed in that show. Uh, and sometimes that creative belief can really turn something meh, good, but the reverse is true. Juper's legacy looks and feels like a checkboxing ex- exercise. It, it's the Netflix needs its own superhero franchise. And this is, we, we bought one off the shelf and just shot it. Mm-hmm. And it feels, it feels empty. Uh,
1: if we could, so out of all these shows, if you had to go right now, you had to go back and pick one to rewatch that is not Hawkeye or Black Lightning or Miss Marvel, what would it be?
0: (laughs) So if you want to make one show, but take all the good ones off the table, then what do you want to watch? (laughs) Um, I mean, the easy answer, I think, would be Umbrella Academy. Uh, Because um, regardless of the superhero nature of it, it is at its core, ultimately, a family drama. And I think that they... Made some correct priority calls to to, to emphasize that. Um, it, it, it's clearly got the superhero stuff in there, um, but I think that that's a good vibe, uh, and I, I think they get that one. The other one would, would honestly would be Peacemaker, um, because Peacemaker is just very much its own thing. It's, it's 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 I hate to use authorial, but it's very James Gunn. Um, I mean like you know you go into oh, James Gunn did this and you watch it, it's like oh yeah James Gunn did this um, it, it's very much a James Gunn joint uh, but again it's one of those things where it's so clear everyone from top to bottom is behind this weird fucking thing and they're just swinging for the bleachers
1: yeah funnily enough uh, yeah. one of those shows that you said is in the two that I would
0: rewatch right now okay which two would you, you want to guess I'm assuming Peacemaker would be one of them. Yes, because I'm
1: already, I'm currently watching Umbrella Academy, so technically it wasn't counted as a rewatch because I'm going through it. And uh, Agent Carter. I loved Agent Carter. I think it was, it's. Even season two? I I liked season two because season two brought in. You want to say it? You want me to say it? Go ahead and say it. Brought in a black scientist sidekick um, for season two of Agent Carter, (laughs) who (laughs) sort of became like. A potential love interest for for Peggy, which I may have enjoyed it so much. I when I used to do a blog, I may have wrote a blog post about Agent Carter in season two and how I wanted that scientist and her to go and start having sort of heart to heart pulp mystery adventures together, because that would have been yeah. a show that I would have watched. That's fair.
0: But I mean for no, complicated shows that I wanted we want we want to exist that don't exist. I mean I want the whole nightshade show. <laughs> oh,
1: hands down. Hands down.
0: But no, even
1: like first season of Agent Carter, I enjoyed the time period. I enjoyed that it's historical. And the thing is, Agent Carter is less superhero. It more leans into like the pulp side of what where superheroes came from. Right. And that is another genre that I enjoy. So it let me have a pulp spy genre with an actress who was being amazing and killing it. And I like I like Papa Stark better than I like Tony Stark. And so Howard Stark is more fun than what Tony is. Because he is solidly a side character. And I think Iron
0: Man would work better as a side character than as a protagonist. I I mean, it's interesting because like Howard Stark is written so inconsistently in the MCU. Because like Howard Stark, Tony's drunk dad is very different from Howard Stark having fun with Peggy, right? (laughs)
1: But that's also, what, like 30, 40 years of his life? Like, there's a life Fair. lived in there. And Eddie, are you, is Eddie right now the same as what we'll say 30 years ago? 10-year-old Eddie? Look how nice that was right there. Uh, the that, same. You were so generous.
0: No. Um, yes, we're perfectly identical because we both love Transformers. <laughs> so nothing has changed. Well, I take it back. One thing has changed. I have a tattoo now of a Transformer, so there you go. <laughs> Um, I am surprised we have gone through this entire run and you have never at any point in time mentioned that Tony Stark is basically Osmondius from Watchmen. Why do I need to state the obvious all the time? Fair enough. Fair enough.
1: Although I did see the new uh, Blue Blue Beetles trailer when I saw Barbie the other day. Oh. And it's basically... Iron Man with a uh, with alien technology it's kind of how the suits almost working now it's um, as I have not read a lot of blue Beetle I'm vaguely familiar with Ted cord and his predecessor but I know very little about Jaime other than what I've seen on like the Justice League animated show so Jaime I didn't know what great. the Blue Beetle suit could do but seeing the Blue Beetle suit in that trailer looks a lot of what uh the iron man armor eventually morphed into in the lot la- in infinity warning game how it can make whatever tony wants at the spur of the moment
0: so um i actually do recommend digging up some of uh, the new blue beetle run because um Jaime channels a lot of the um kamala energy of um tears a brown kid who worships superheroes and ends up becoming one in there so he's like a super fanboy mm-hmm. um uh, there's one scene in um, uh, Brave and the Bold cartoon um, where he's arguing with his best friend about who would win Superman or Batman. And, and he's arguing for Superman because Superman is a good guy. Um, so he's that kind of character. Um, but also, uh, the, the alien suit talks to him and only he understands it. So he gets in the fights with his suit constantly, which are hilarious. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it goes back to my knowledge. That I have a lot more knowledge of Marvel
0: than I do of DC. Right. To be fair, that's something I've only briefly come across because I, I honestly I, I found him through the Brave and the Bold cartoon, which is highly underrated. Um, and I was like, this guy looks like fun. And I just read the comics. Oh, it's the exact same character. There's no changes. Cool, great. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, last night after I'm going to talk about Barbie a lot because we just seen it and it is a good movie. And if you haven't seen it, mm-hmm. you should go see it. Help them hit two billion dollars. But <laughs> afterwards, I came home. And I told, I told Zora, my daughter, I'm going to show her Young Justice because I'm trying to get her more and more into superheroes okay. and things like that. And she gave me, gave me the eye roll as only like a, a, nine, a nine-year-old going in 18 could. I was like, well, yeah. let's just watch it and see what you think. And we watched the first episode. And Zora's it's it's like, all right, well, I guess you could do something else. She's like, I want to see the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, she's hooked on Young Justice because we were Can watching I- Teen Titans, the one from the 2003-ish. Okay, and I'm trying to get her hooked on more up to date stuff. Like I, I remember those; those are okay, but they feel very, very young. I want her to like get into more yeah. of a serialized
0: plot for stories. Yeah, they they do skew a bit young. Um, so let's have a little bit of time. Um, we never did a recap of The Prisoner or, or um, Twin Peaks, so we could jam that in here. Because That was kind of in season three. <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> that
1: okay reed I, I know that your superpower is stretching but you get at some point
0: in time you got to snap and it'll all come back in incorrect unstable molecules never snap <laughs> okay here before we
1: go into that un- unbelievable mess that you want to pull into this unbelievable mess who invented <laughs> unstable molecules in the marvel universe i don't know i'm asking you seriously do you know
0: who invented unstable molecules rediscovered yes. them um, I don't sure know who invented read, them, now.
1: Why do I feel like it's Hank for some reason and they gave Hank something? Hank Pym, all
0: the books. No, so um, Hank Pym uh, uh, discovered slash invented Pym particles, um, but rediscovered unstable molecules because he is the one who, ex- as I explained how his suit stretches, um, and that was done in a letter column uh, actually in Fantastic Four comic but I was like issue four or five which was right before Ant-Man became its own comic.
1: Okay. Because before there was Ant-Man there was Hank was and I want to say like horror comics is what it was and then it transitioned to Ant-Man if I remember right.
0: Oh I actually didn't know that part. Okay. So I might be wrong. Just, I,
1: I'm not saying that. I don't know about that part. I just, I just remember vaguely that Hank used to be sort of in horror science comics and then transitioned to being a, a hero. Kind of how uh Patsy Klein, Hellcat used to be in romantic comic yes. romantic, romance comics until she became Hellcat, the superhero. Hellcat! Hellcat.
0: Um, All right. Speaking of deep you, oh, wait, wait, real quick, then we're in the middle of deep cuts here, real quick. Um, do you know who else was in the letter column of Fantastic Four issue number five? Absolutely no idea. George Martin. What? Little George R. R. Martin wrote into Fantastic Four, has a letter published in Fantastic Four, like issue five or six inconceivable i know it's crazy right Oh, All right, before we try to
1: transition into twin peaks and the prisoner is there any other conversation you want to have about superheroes not that we can't bounce back how we were
0: likely to do with us uh oh so um actually there's one thing uh since we're uh, wrapping up this part, um we started way back in the day um we started by talking about how um hey superheroes is often a fraught metaphor uh, and sometimes uh, the metaphor maps well to real world things. Sometimes it maps very badly to real world things. And we, I think we've talked a lot about the various sides of that, exception of the one that we actually named at the beginning, which was superheroes as fascists. That Superheroes ultimately is a fascist fantasy. We never really came back to that. I mean, even in The Boys, where that's explicit, we never even really kind of engaged with that again. Um, so, I mean... Did we see a ton of that in the, aside from the very obvious examples? Hmm.
1: That is a, a harder question than I thought that we'd have in our wrap up show.
0: Well, you asked.
1: I know. It's, it's me um, always, I mean, I, I felt
0: like we, we, it was touched on in some uh, uh, villainous capacities. I mean, obviously like uh crisis on is a very explicit group of, of, of fascists. Cause we had, you know, literal space Nazis. Yeah, but that's that's um, obvious though. So. Right. Um, uh, Purple Man, Jessica Jones, kind of flirts with the line occasionally.
1: See, I don't know. Then it becomes a matter of, are we going to talk about fascism or are we going to talk about how superheroes are frequently used as a tool of the police to oppress marginalized people more often than not? Like, for instance, Batman, when he jumps out of Wayne Tower, he goes and he beats up um, socially, economically depressed people instead of using his right. money to like build up a foundation for one or how a lot of the times when they go and beat up these people, that's when they add in their people of color is they're getting beat up.
0: Well, in that case, um, I know that for a while we were doing the, um, Oh look, the first uh, black person was on the screen. happens to be a criminal account for a yeah. while there. Um, so, I mean, I think in that regard we, we did kind of name check it, but we stopped doing that probably just because it got exhausting. <laughs> But I'm
1: thinking almost now more specifically. If you remember when the Insomniac Spider-Man game came out, mm. how Spider-Man was equivalently an arm of the police force, and there was a whole online discourse about that. Yeah, because like the lieutenant would call Spider-Man, he's like, "I'm gonna go get him for you, Chief."
0: Right. And how that is kind of an issue. I think the Miles Morales game got rid of that, right? Yeah, they yeah. they're not calling Miles. Oh, <laughs>
1: I love Miles, Ooh. but that that would be a larger conversation. I think Insomniac learned from that, and they adjusted fire. Right, right. But at the same um, time, being a superhero is intrinsic to having to engage, interact with law enforcement one way or the other, either as someone that works with them or as a vigilante that runs away when they show up. And so I'm never
0: sure where to find that fine balance of a line at. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think the only show that actually... Does anything with that was the very last one we watched, the Watchmen TV show. Uh, everything else just kind of either was unambiguously embracing it, i.e., the original Flash show, and to be fair, a good chunk of the later Flash show, um, or just largely ignored it. Um, for the Flash, so,
1: it's hard for them not to, though, as literally
0: he is he's a, a cop, yeah. uh, forensic investigator. It's like, oh, I work for the police force. Right. I mean, you. you, you, you you can't get away from that. Um, and then everyone else kind of just goes, they are just going to dance around that much as we can. And Arrow is the closest one we had
1: that had any sort of real conflict or tensional relationship that showed the transition from vigilante to acceptance. But even then, that acceptance was
0: very, very weak because they would quickly turn on Arrow if anything happened. Sure. Like, I mean, yes, we, we, we glossed over the fact that Ollie actually was mayor, for a minute in arrow, but also that was part of a plot to try to discredit arrow because that show is fucking weird. And also ties into the Island because of course it does. <laughs> so that's perhaps not the best example. <sighs> and
1: as much as I, I love the Avengers in the MCU, the Avengers don't work because the Avengers are extensively an arm of the government. Right. Cause they work for shield. And you can say they don't work for S.H.I.E.L.D. They work for S.H.I.E.L.D. And oh, yeah. Nick Fury works for the government. And primarily right. the U.S. government did that.
0: Mm-hmm. And if you were ever confused in that point, the Captain Marvel movie made that really clear. Yeah. So a, the ties were not subtle anymore. They were explicit. So,
1: so it's... Okay. Oh, it's, it is throughout the entire thing, but a lot of it tries to avoid it or not discuss it, but you can't not see it. I guess is what I'm really trying to say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was it. Now we can go into the other. Talk about the
1: Punisher. Well, I guess we
0: could talk about, no, Uh, (laughs) uh, no. um, I don't, I mean, I don't don't think we have much to say, because I do feel like we, we kind of covered everything, but just, I don't know if you want to talk about um, just the, uh, the metafictional stuff or, um, uh, anything about The the Prisoner or Twin Peaks that we didn't already cover. I know that we didn't have a
1: wrap up but I feel that we went into pre- in depth in all of those pretty much because Twin Peaks was like three individual ep- four individual episodes actually if I remember right because we broke right. the first season down the two episodes and we had the movie then we had The Return and The Prisoner That's was fair. two episodes but no, I'm, I'm I'm happy to take a minute and talk about The Prisoner and then Twin Peaks.
0: Like it is still a phenomenal
1: groundbreaking show.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, since we recorded the, the prisoner, um, I tried to watch the remake of the prisoner in 2008. Why would you do that to yourself? I don't know. Um, it was, it was not good. Uh, but I think the, the big reason why it wasn't, well, there's lots of reasons why it wasn't good actually. But, um, the one that I'm going to talk about, uh, is the fact that the premise was that he was actually, uh, he worked for a corporation, And they're trying to get corporate secrets out of him. And it made me realize that there's a lot of times people will look at shows and go, you couldn't make that today. And I think you actually could not make the prisoner today, but not for the reasons that people usually say, because it's code for political correctness. Um, I think actually the prisoner doesn't work outside of cold war context. I think so much of what makes the prisoner work is understanding the the complex relationships that uh countries had with each other during the Cold War, um, to get that vein of, of paranoia and uh smoke and mirrors going. I, I think you could definitely roughly equivalent to it, but I don't think it the same resonance outside of the sixties, frankly.
1: I actually think they could remake the prisoner today. The biggest thing is, though, is for in the original prisoner. They kidnapped him and you're pretty sure he was somewhere around the UK just from the accents and everyone he engaged with. In case they would bring in one or two people from somewhere else. And so sure. that would kind of like make you, maybe not, but pretty much there. And it was, But if you're going to remake it today, it doesn't work with corporation. That's like the firm, but yeah, who cares about right. that? Um, I think it would work literally today with everything going on in the world if you did it. And you put them in a place like that, but it was constantly an influx of people from different countries and different backgrounds trying to get information from him. Cause you have the same thing. Potentially he has like nuclear codes or whatever it is. Yada, 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 random secret, mm-hmm. we'll never know. But by adding in people from different countries and you hear it in their voices and how they interact and everything else, then you would become more of an international feel to it. Which then you would really want to know like, which of these countries is really trying to get this information out of? And what would that mean for us as a global, as a, as a global entity? Like, will we hit another like cold war? Will we have like nuclear annihilation? And you focus in on those things and then you can still try to escape, but then you have to problem of technology and everything else. But the core crux of it is you internationalize it. So it's larger in scale right. and scope without having to make it larger in scale and scope. You just bring in the people.
0: I mean, I could see that. Um, I think you would, lose the whole um i, mean, I think you keep the who is behind the village plot but then the in the original show who is number one had a very strong resonance of which country is running this and i think that's the piece that we probably would lose a bit i don't think i, I don't yeah. know if it's necessarily a huge loss now that you talk it through like that um it could just be okay it, it's it's some lunatic you know or it, it is maybe a country or maybe it's a, a unaffiliated international organization who knows um it could make it more complicated that could be interesting and compelling um i will minorly say uh in in defense slash condemnation of the original show uh that in the 60s most people with british accents would have probably been seen as international because the british empire was still in the process of falling apart at that point in time so it's i could see why a bunch of british people going oh yeah no, this is totally international and missing the entire point because they were in the middle of it right
1: so <laughs> I, I I'll not comment on the Great Colonizer <laughs> Other than that comment in of itself. But no, it I think that would work, but it would still be its own very different kind of show. I do think the reveal of number one and number six being like potentially the same person and having that slick cyclical discussion that we had about like whether or not it's the same story telling itself over and over again. Would be lost, which has a lot of yeah. meaning and resonance for what the show is trying to do.
0: Mm. Okay. Um, and then Twin Peaks, I, I, I'm with you. I think we kind of ended up doing a recap of the show when we did the Cinemax show. No, sorry, Showtime. Cinemax, where did I pull that from? Uh, the Showtime um, we all know what you've version been of it. What? We all know what you've been watching on Cinemax. <laughs> Yes, I've been watching softcore porn from the 80s, apparently. Hey, Emmanuel had to
1: get somewhere, <laughs> if I remember right.
0: It is telling that I said softcore porn from the 80s, and you immediately went to the exact same franchise I was thinking of, which is Emmanuel.
1: Because we're we are, we are men of a certain age. Certain
0: age, like- yes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, think, I think, honestly, we, we covered a lot of that just because Twin Peaks is a show that by David Lynch's admission is a show designed to invite conversations. So I think we ended up having just a lot of that conversation in that moment, as opposed to lives, other examinations where we're talking about the show and then not taking a step back to go, okay, what's the larger picture here? I think Twin Peaks, the larger picture is the show. So you can't really divorce those two.
1: Would you go back and watch Twin Peaks again? Cause you remember, right? I you would... hadn't really seen it before. You weren't in that Twin Peaks craze of memory serves.
0: I would, but I think I would probably dig up a, uh, a reduced watch list because you are not, at, by any stretch of the imagination, the first person to tell me that there's a lot of baggage in Season 2 that you just need to ditch. Um, so I'd probably probably cut down. To this. I probably may, might watch The Return from Start to Finish again because now that we've seen it and talked it through, I feel like I could actually watch The Return and understand what's going on. Um, But I also think Twin Peaks is one of those shows where you can watch it, you can know where it goes, and that doesn't necessarily spoil the show for you You, because you can go back and you're seeing kind of a different show knowing what's going to happen. Uh, There's enough layers there that I can go back and watch Return and not feel like, oh, I know where this is going, so there's no point in this. It's the, oh, now I actually understand what the hell's going on and can probably enjoy this better. (laughs)
1: And see, for me, I think I am almost the exact opposite of that. I don't think I will ever watch The Return Again. No. I We talked about it a lot on the show. Like, first time I saw it, I hated it. Because it wasn't what I wanted as a viewer, having followed, like, Twin Peaks almost from when it aired.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: doing a rewatch with it, I could enjoy the concept behind it, but it's not something that I would want to engage with again. Because for me, like, that first nine, the first season of Twin Peaks, basically, is my favorite preferred Twin Peaks. And Oh, sure. The, the ending of like season two, like those two would be like my capstone for all Twin Peaks. I think I could probably put my entire Twin Peaks watching down into about six episodes, maybe eight going forward that I watch again.
0: Hmm. Okay. And well, I think some of that is also um, you've seen it. So, you know, what's going to happen. So I, it's still relatively fresh to me. So um, I will say though, as a caveat that I'm also not seeking it out again, but I think at least a good chunk of that is David Lynch is, we have learned is not someone you can binge. <laughs> it's just not a good idea that I'm glad we did the run. Don't get me wrong, but that was way too much David Lynch.
1: <laughs> you mean you don't want to tell people actually the next thing we're doing is a uh, five Lynch movies in a row. We're going to do uh, the straight story, Dune, uh Mulholland drive. and, you, know, you don't want to do this?
0: No, no. Maybe Dune. I might do Dune. Do Dune.
1: You know, we could do Lynch Dune and the New Dune and the New Dune 2. New Dune 2.
0: Um, the Dune We also do the sci-fi original sci-fi TV I remember show. that miniseries. <laughs> yes, where you could see they literally put desert wallpaper in the, in the soundstage when they were in the desert. It was so bad. I, I I remember kind of enjoying it, but I think it was in spite of the show, not because of it.
1: Well, because at that point, Tom, the, your only reference point would have been the Lynch Dune that people either love or they hate. I right. love the Lynch Dune.
0: I do too. Because I like David Lynch. And- how, can, how can you not love a movie where Jean-Luc Picard takes a pug into battle? <laughs> Come on.
1: So... <laughs> I think yesterday in the Discord, I shared a uh, YouTube video of someone that broke down like a retrospective of the Dune movie from Mm -hmm. Lynch and some of the other casting choices they had. I really wish I remembered the name of the actor they had before Patrick Stewart because it was someone else, but I think that person got arrested, so that's how Patrick Stewart got the role. Oh, wow. It's like a lot of the casting choices weren't the same, much like Dean Stockwell was supposed to have been someone else and something happened to that
0: person. Did they talk about... um the let's say blatant theft of artwork from the incal into that film uh they did not okay um so uh originally um they had approached uh, a different team before david lynch got the dune treatment and uh this team um a comic book artist from france uh mobius is probably the more famous of the two uh the famous artist uh, mobius they did an the entire mobius? treatment yeah mobius, mobius. Not 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 that Mobius. Different Mobius. Um, uh, and they did an entire treatment of Dune, and it got rejected. And they basically handed all of the art treatments to uh, Lynch to work on his Dune. And of course, being Lynch, he went in a very different direction with it. Um, but uh, they kind of there, there's a the whole documentary about. This student never happens, um, and some of the art is, is is fascinating. But then they went and had made their own French comic called L'Incal, uh, which became the Encal in English, um, and then that separately got ripped off for the Fifth Elements. <laughs> <laughs> so these poor bastards just had. How do we keep ripping them off? It's 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 tragic and funny at the same time.
1: So I didn't know about that, but I did know a little bit about the Dune that what that wasn't because originally it was supposed to have, I forgot his name now, but the person that did created the aliens for aliens was doing some of the art yeah, direction. Thank you. And yeah. originally they were supposed to be Picasso was supposed to make an appearance in the movie, but he would have been like a million dollars per minute that he was on screen or something. Mm-hmm. There's such an amazing amount of like story behind the actual dude creation it should be its own movie. Like
0: yeah. the creation of dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe at some point we'll do a whole mini-series on, on Dune. Who knows? Um, but any, I think... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you any final thoughts on the superhero before we,
1: we wrapped up. Not not all of our podcasts need to be two hours. I could keep going, but I think Eddie
0: has <laughs> stuff he wants to do today, other I have lunch, than I have lunch see my mug. <laughs> um, uh, no, I was actually just going to kind of segue anyway, so you just segue differently than I did. Uh, uh, generally, I'm I was about to say I'm glad we did it and I stopped myself because that's not entirely true. Uh, uh, I am glad we did large chunks of it. Uh, I feel like the Disney MCU stuff is in kind of the same place as, uh, let's say chunks of the Mecca series where it was the, Oh, we love these shows. And then we watch them and it's like, Oh wait, maybe we don't love these shows as much as we thought. Um, uh, and certainly, we have said at the top. We'll say it again here. Um, that was just way too long of a season. Um, I think you're right six to eight, maybe ten episodes at the most. Like like I, I thought the Armor Wars run was was solid too. that was ten episodes, um, but also those are much shorter episodes. So yeah. Uh, I think we learned a lot from that. Um, I don't feel like my love of superhero comic books has been damaged. But I now actually understand superhero fatigue better. Like I never, people say I'm superhero fatigue. It's like, why? I know this is great. I love all the superhero stuff, and now it's like, okay, no, I actually get it now. I'm kind of sick of watching superhero TV shows at the moment.
1: Pretty much to that point, I understand superhero fatigue now, much like you. Mm. I don't regret engaging with one of my favorite genres, which is superheroes, on the Mm. whole. I regret the way that we chose to do it and I've already mentioned how how the ideal version of how we should have done it but it's also us learning every single time and I enjoy the fact that whatever true fans we have that have lived this past year with us Mm -hmm. have got to hear us gradually get to the point where we are understanding ourselves and how we're doing the show better and maybe it'll be a learning thing for them if they want to do their own podcast which if you want to do your own podcast I can't recommend it enough that's a lot of fun you occasionally get have a few rough patches but on the whole yeah um
0: it is it is amusing to me that this is our third season now if you count many seasons whatnot maybe it's up to five and still our first season is the one that worked out really well <laughs> space opera generally worked out pretty well the first time through
1: <laughs> it was also a very finite number of shows we were spanky new so we had no expectations on how That's first true. season went, we built, we, I have built in expectations. I think you may have also about how we think things should go. And I think that is also, um, flavoring some of our opinions now and stuff.
0: No, I mean, honestly, uh, uh, our dynamic has changed a lot. Um, uh, I, I, I I'm, I'm terrified to go back and listen to them because I'm sure we were probably a lot stiffer and a lot more analytical. Um, and now we're just more like, let's talk about this dumb show. <laughs>
1: right we were I, I went back and i re-listened to that uh first star trek episode uh a month or two ago how bad and is it you my friend are exceptional as always <laughs> they they are significantly shorter if nothing else because we hadn't figured out what we're doing we had not figured out our own dynamic yet and we we're like if we're gonna hit 30 minutes come on we can at least do 30 minutes <laughs> yes <laughs> And now it we're like, like, can we hit hours, 30 wait, minutes? Just up. let's hit 30 minutes and wrap this up today. <laughs> <laughs> and yet here we
0: are an hour in. <laughs>
1: All right. So I I want to try something new and see how it works out. Okay. And that is to let listeners know how long each run is going to be. Because we, we've already plotted out the runs. And we can say, hey, next run okay. is going to be X number of episodes. So if it's a genre that they really don't want to engage with, they can unfortunately not listen to us. And that would hurt my soul. But they can then skip ahead to wherever we're going to come in.
0: All right, so what are we doing next? All right, the
1: next run is going to be a five-episode run special for Halloween. Spooky. And we're going to kick it off with the show called Sleepy Hollow. We're going to do episode season one, episode one, pilot, season one, episode seven, The Midnight Rider, and wrap it up with season one, episode eight, Necromancer.
0: Awesome, and this is a, in the show that I have not seen well, I've, I've seen now 20 minutes of because I started watching it, but otherwise I've not seen anything of. So I am I am excited. It's a, a show I saw when it
1: aired, so we'll see how I feel about going back to it. I'm yeah, excited yeah. though. So, um, so
0: far I'm actually digging it.
1: Before I forget, Eddie, if people are looking for you online or want to buy some of your creepy material, <laughs> where can they do that at?
0: Uh, so I, I I don't want to take a brief moment to thank our last guest, Ariel, for pointing out after we recorded that I say this bit way too fast, typically, so I'm going to slow it down this time. Um, but, uh, if you want to find me online, you can find me, uh, throw a dart, hit a social media site, maybe I'm on it. Um, but you can find me probably at pugsteady. That's P-U-G-S-T-A-D-Y. That's my handle. It's also my website, pugsteady.com um and if you are looking for creepy stuff that i've worked on uh, the best place to go frankly is to go to drive rpg and look and type in my name as well as vampire um because i've worked on a fair number of vampire masquerade books you worked on vampire uh, i didn't know that uh, yeah i know it's just a shock it's not like we met on a vampire book or anything <laughs> <laughs> um but aside from all of that, if you just want to listen to more of this banter, you could definitely come to the Darker Hue Discord, where usually Chris and I are sending uh, uh, memes to each other, and Chris is trying to convince me to do one more show. One more show. Just just one more show. <laughs>
1: it's like a hit. No, now I do that you said you're working on Vampire, I have to ask who who is your favorite vampire, Bella Lugosi or Nick
0: Cage? Oh, that's our choice. Uh, I mean, Bella Lugosi is the OG, man. I mean, you got to go with them.
1: All right. Even though, you know, Bella Lugosi is dead. Ooh, ooh, it's like I knew you would do it. And it would set me up for my joke. Uh, if you're looking for, for me and these bad jokes, you can find me in the Darker Hue Discord. Uh, you can find my work at Studios.com. You could go to IPR. I think our Talisorian Games may have a copy of Haunted West floating around somewhere. <laughs> or you can go to Chaosium to get uh, Harmon Bound second edition because I think they have a few thousand copies left that I'd like to sell.
0: There you go. Get rid of them. So uh, thank you all for hanging out for this extremely long run and also continuing to learn what we're doing. Um, We hope you had a good time and we will see you in October next week for our first run with sleepy hollow. Be seeing you.